Rebels, it's that time. Can you feel it? Are you ready to be a great parent? Do you want to feel like you're back on your honeymoon? Well, we believe in you and God believes in you. Rebels, it's time to join the rebellion. It's time for Rebel Parenting. Hey, Rebels, have we got some good pod for you today. Ooh, I hope you're having a good week because this is going to make it even better. Our friend Dr. Mark Mayfield is on the program today. We're going to talk about anxiety and teens. And I'm telling you, this guy is Fire and gold. So much packed into this episode. Oh my goodness. I can't wait to have him back on again because he's just that good. Today's episode is sponsored by Save the Storks at SaveTheStorks.com, my favorite pro-life organization. Oh, we are working on some stuff. I can't wait to tell you about that pretty soon. And our sponsor is back, Care of at TakeCareOf.com slash Rebel Parenting. Care of is back helping you with the vitamins and supplements you need to get more energy, sleep better, get rid of stress. I love this organization. Takecareof.com slash rebelparenting. Dr. Mark Mayfield is in the office today. He has the Mayfield Counseling Clinic here in Colorado Springs. I heard about him from a friend who had gone to one of his seminars and was like, dude, you've got to interview this guy. He is amazing. Got to tell you, did not disappoint. He is so awesome. He's become a friend of ours. We really do appreciate him. Without any further ado, here is our new friend, Dr. Mark Mayfield, on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. Oh, what's up? That was quick. My goodness. For those just watching, when we hit the live button, it spins for a while. Who knows how long? It's always a random time and then we just sit there staring at the camera. Now I did it and my dog started barking and it went live immediately. Yeah. Rebels, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. I'm now looking at the camera. I normally look over here. We have Dr. Mark Mayfield in studio today. Man, thanks for being in the studio. My pleasure. Absolutely. It is a rarity to have someone in the studio so it's so nice to just be face to face (laughs) with someone and not looking at Skype and hoping the sound is all right. Yeah. You are president of Mayfield Counseling Center? Founder, CEO, president, whatever there you, you want to throw Founder, out CEO, there. president, uh, licensed professional counselor, board certified counselor, and you also teach at Colorado College. Colorado Christian University. Colorado Christian University. What do you teach on? Uh, Masters of Arts in Counseling, so training counselors to be mm-hmm. good counselors. That's you know, awesome. That is fantastic. Thanks for being here. Before we start, I wanted to say, and I've tried to say this more and more, to try to give our parents and our past generations a break. Uh, we are a much more feeling society today than ever before. Oh, absolutely. My example is my grandpa dropped out of school in the seventh grade to go work in the coal mines in North Dakota to take care of his 12 siblings because his alcoholic dad wouldn't, after his mom passed away, giving birth to the last sibling. Right. My kids will never experience that. Nope. There are child services and there's programs that come into play. We are so safe that we feel more. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, for people that are my age and maybe a little bit younger that have gotten into counseling and gotten into therapy, and there's the tendency to be like, you know, why didn't my parents, you know, da 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 da. Well, they had no narrative for this depth of feeling. And I think the, you know, extreme result of that is the safe spaces on college campuses where someone may be saying something somewhere that mm. I disagree with. I don't know, I'm not in the room, but because there's someone might be saying something, I'm too fragile, I need to talk to somebody about it. But there's a difference between emotional intelligence and feeling. Mm. Mm. And so if these kids, you know, safe zones, places, uh, lack of emotional intelligence. Mm. Let's talk about that because yeah. I think that's really what we're trying to do as parents is give our kids emotional intelligence, not 
to have their feelings dictate their lives right. and also not to shy away from their feelings, not to suppress their feelings. <laughs> we always say, you know, addiction is a symptom right. of pain, yep. uh, whether it's food or prescriptions or illegal drugs or porn, whatever that is. It's a symptom of something else that's going on. You want to quit your addiction, figure out what's going on in your life. Absolutely. You know, and because as parents, it's even more for our kids in the feeling generation than it is for us. How do we start the emotional intelligence at a younger age so that they're not, their feelings and emotions aren't dictating their lives, mm -hmm. but it is a part of their life? I think the biggest thing that I challenge in my talks and, that, and, and in our counseling center is help your kids fail well. Mm. And so it's creating space for them to make mistakes, to fail, and not to swoop in and fix it. You know, the two parenting types we have right now are the helicopter parent and the snowplow parent. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's either let's rescue them or let's plow any hardship out of their way. And they never experienced resiliency or grit. And those are the two things that really lay the foundation for emotional intelligence is, oh, I messed up. I failed. Life's not going to stop, mm -hmm. and that's okay. Dr. Mark, where do you think this came from? I mean, anybody that's alive today has failed many, many times. Where did we get the idea that feeling failure is bad for children? Therefore, we have to get out ahead of them and push it all away, or we have to go in and rescue them all the time. Who's telling us that feelings of failure or loss mm -hmm. or grief, whatever, is bad for children, and therefore we need to get rid of it? I wonder if it's in reaction to our you know, our parents' generations of, you know, just don't cry, don't, you know, buck up and just, mm. you know, be okay. And I think in some ways we're, at least I've talked to my dad and my grandparents when they were uh, still alive around this of, you know, we have, like you were talking about before we went live of just the luxury of feeling. But mm. I also think parents in this day and age don't want their, they want to be their kids' best friends. They don't want to see their kids suffer or hurt. So in some ways it's more about the parenting or the parents and it is about the child. Yeah. I think in yeah. a lot of ways. And so we try to overcompensate <laughs> in, yeah, totally. in a lot of ways. And are you finding that the parents today are quote unquote emotionally intelligent or no. there's a lack of emotional intelligence in them too? It's funny because I've done this for so long. I was a youth and family pastor before this. And so when I, I'm talking tonight at district 49 in Colorado Springs here and I told my wife, I said, I, I feel like I have nothing new to say. And she looked at my notes and she goes, nobody knows this stuff. It's mm -hmm. so simple because I'm so immersed into it. Right. But then when I present it to, you know, parents that are feeling at a loss or those kinds of things, yeah. they're like, this is amazing. I'm like, this is like supposed to be common knowledge. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And it really isn't. It's, it's really not. not. And I have to remember that, you know, that this is good information, new information. Sure. And it's powerful. Yeah. It's yeah. funny. You mentioned the don't cry generation. And that's such a, it was so ingrained in me. My little girl, would cry and I'd be like, don't cry, it's okay, don't cry, it's okay. And I would constantly say, don't cry. And Laura's like, why do you say that? Like if her feelings are hurt, she should cry. If she's if she's fallen down and hurt, <laughs> right. you know, crying is okay. And I was like, oh yeah, I cry all the time. Of course it is. And it was, it really did though take a lot of effort on my part to just take a step back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And instead of attacking the symptom, crying, is to figure out what's going on and be like, oh, do you need to cry? Okay, right. well then and I remember hearing Ben Shapiro say this. And I think this goes with emotional intelligence. One of the roles of a parent is to teach a child when their emotions are unfounded. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That not every emotion is, in a sense, valid and should be treated with the highest authority. That this is silly. You know, mm -hmm. if you're mad that I'm not giving you sugar right before bed, 
that's unfortunate for you. Right. Yeah. You need to get over that because it's never going to happen, you right. know, or I'm not going to let you hurt yourself. I'm not going to let you endanger your life. I think it does require a lot of emotional intelligence on the parents' part to be able to explain those things to them. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the things that you teach parents? What you know, when you're going to speak uh, to the parents in District 49 school district mm-hmm. and you're trying to to coach them up in their own emotional intelligence to help their kids not be ruled by their emotions. Right. What are some of those things? I think the biggest thing, and, and you know, you guys have been in this community for a long time, so the suicide rate in our culture in our El Paso County here is, I think we've had 50-some-odd teenage suicides in the last you know, 36 months. Mm. So they're, they're coming in wanting this, you know, asking those questions, going, how, what do I do? How do I help? And a lot of it is just breaking down uh, kind of the symptoms of their own household culture of talking about how much time do you spend with your kid? You know, I, I always joke when I have families come into my office, I don't see as many clients anymore just because it's, you know, busy, but I've had families come in and dad's all mad at their son for acting out. And so I get down to the symptomology of it and it's, he's just needing attention. Mm-hmm. And so I always, I, any attention's good attention for a right, kid. Right, exactly. And so I tell dad, I said, okay, I'm going to make you a deal, kind of playing to his ego a little bit. I want you to spend 15 minutes with your son doing what he wants on his level for the next, you know, seven days a week for the next three weeks. I said, if the behavior doesn't go away, I'll refund you your money. Nice. And I haven't refunded any money. Wow. <laughs> because it's, I mean, that's the biggest thing. Like you're talking about, you know, instead of telling my daughter not to cry, I'm going, what's going on behind the scenes and paying attention to that. And they always, oh, yeah, yeah well, you know, you're going to owe me a lot of money. And comes in kind of sheepishly, you know, three weeks later going. Wow. Can I ask you? That's such an easy thing. It really does feel like suicide is so high here. Mm-hmm. Is there a reason behind that? Have we come to any kind of conclusions right. for in this area, in the El Paso? I mean, we all think you know, there's so many ministries here. It should be a bunch of great people. They have right. a bunch of great kids. And yet we have an incredibly high suicide rate in yeah. Colorado Springs. I think it's not, and I've done research, it's not unique to Colorado Springs. It's unique to the subgroup of the population. So the middle class, upper middle class, and affluent populations, in my opinion, are the most underserved populations for mental and emotional health. And so, you know, you look at, I have like a list of, uh, ongoing list of things that I look at uh, and I tell parents. And the first one is how much screen time are your kids using? Because scientifically, we're atrophying our amygdala, our emotional center of our brain. So they're just being hijacked. Hijacked, yeah. The average high schooler spends nine hours a day on their device. Yeah, so I that's see that. you know the emotional intelligence piece is going away. The fight, flight, or freeze response, the emotional recognition. There's a part of our brain that when we're sitting like this, face to face, that is being activated from a emotional intelligence relational standpoint that mm-hmm. they're not getting from a screen, even if they're facetiming or chatting or whatever. Oh, even with FaceTime, mm-hmm. it has to be. You have to be in proximity, and that's if you're not in proximity. It's not happening. Okay, you just schooled me on that one. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That's good to know. It's the time spent. Yeah. Right, I Can think. I ask a question yeah, yeah. about that? Please. I believe it. I see it. And I struggle with this because it's something that's not going to go away. No. It's mm-hmm. going to be integrated more and more and more. So will over time, are we in an in-between time where our brains will adapt eventually to this? Or will we realize what an issue it is and we will start to self-regulate because the issue becomes mm-hmm. so great? I think it's the second one. Woo. And I think the reason why is it's not how God designed us. I mean, we're designed to be in relationship. I mean, science has shown that, you know, our brain is not reaching its fullest potential unless we're in proximity and relationship with a safe person. And, you know, we, we can find, I mean, and I think that's the thing is I, when I speak about this, I'm not trying to shame parents because it's a tool. It's something that has to be used. So how do we use it? Well, how do we steward it? Well, and I think it's just figuring out the culture of your house 
I go home and I put my phone in a basket or a, on the counter and I have certain rings for certain things and I'll go check it if I need to, but I won't pick it back up again until my kids are in bed mm. unless it's an emergency. Yeah. And I really am trying really hard to model that. But I think it is the second one because our brain, just the input, and again, it's not evil. It's just how do we use it well? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's perfect. Um, but I also tell parents, so the su- back to, I mean, with the suicide thing, so it's, I think it's the screen time. I think it's the drive for success. If you think about the formula for success in our culture right now, it's good grades, talent equals a good scholarship, a good job, and success. And so you look at the middle class, upper middle class, affluent populations, and what are they pushing? I mean, 90% of the suicides in our community over the last 36 months have been kids that seem like they have it all together on the outside. Mm-hmm. Lacrosse captain, football, this, that, you know, straight wow. A's. And, you know, the typical signs that we had back in the 80s and 90s, yes. you know, aren't there anymore. Yeah. Because it's all hidden behind social media. Sure. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more Rebel Parenting. Oh, Rebels, can you believe summer is almost over? I know we think about getting healthy in the summertime. I think about it when school starts. That's when we've got so much to do. And our sponsor this month, Take Care Of, at TakeCareOf.com slash Rebel Parenting, helps you get back in that groove. I've taken their online quiz. It was super easy. I don't even know if it took me five minutes. And here's what I'm going to tell you. This should be easy, but it's hard to find out what supplements should I take? What vitamins am I missing? Well, I went to my doctor and took a blood test, and then I took the test at TakeCareOf.com slash RebelParenting. They came up with the exact same vitamins and supplements I should be taking. Blood test versus five minutes online that didn't cost me anything. It was so great, and you can see a difference. All their stuff is so personalized. The box that came in was personalized. Every little vitamin pack I have each day has my name on it. It's got a little quote. I love taking those. And I am feeling healthier because of it. I love this sponsor. I hope you'll check them out at TakeCareOf.com slash RebelParenting. 25% off your first order. That's TakeCareOf.com slash RebelParenting for 25% off your first order. Welcome back to Rebel Parenting. Did you miss us? You know, we were just talking about that. When I was 10, 11, 12, when I was a teenager, there was a phone on the wall. Yeah. You wanted to hear what your kid was doing, you'd pick it up and put your hand over the receiver and listen. <laughs> right. And people were like, oh, I can't believe. Every parent did that. Right. Every parent did that. Mm-hmm. And by the way, they found out a lot. Right. They found out mm-hmm. a lot because there was one place you could have a phone. There wasn't mm-hmm. many places. It wasn't hidden. You know, we talk to parents now, we talk to people that work with parents and they go, you know, yes, you can regulate screen time, you can regulate apps. And there's a list of apps that are secret apps that kids can Backdoor use. Backdoor stuff and you know, all that. I remember yeah. I was working with a couple that had a parent that was reaching near end of stage of life. Mm. And I was trying to talk to them about certain things and they were asking questions and I started to Google how to watch your parents pass away and I typed in how to watch your parents and the autofill came in how to watch TV without your parents knowing, how to smoke cigarettes without your parents knowing, mm-hmm. how to sneak out of the house without your parents knowing, how to watch Game of Thrones without your parents knowing. It was this incredible list right. of Google was helping you thwart your parents' authority and mm-hmm. discipline in your house. And I just thought, it's so much harder to be a parent today than ever before in history. You've right. got Google, the world's largest search engine, helping your kids all day long figure out how to get around you. Yeah, yeah. I think parents get so scared that a lot of them just give up. Right. Right. They go into freeze mode. Yeah. 
I was on Facebook, I think a news flash that said, you know, parts of the country are trying, or a town was trying to petition the parents to pull back the age that kids got phones and you know, everybody's saying, mind your own business and that kind of stuff. And I get the question a lot, when should my kid have a device? Yeah. And I said, when your kid's responsible. Yeah. And that for some people, that's 10 years old. Right. For others, that's 32. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, so it's, <laughs> it's, I don't think we should dictate when that is, but I think when a kid can be responsible with it, and have show responsibility is when I always tell parents. But Let me, know, let's talk about that then, because that's really an emotional intelligence thing on a parent's is. part yeah. Yeah, of saying, yes, all your friends, you know, my son's 12. He's got friends that have devices and social media accounts. Yeah. Well, no. Sorry, you're not. <laughs> nope. Yep. You know, we try to say keep them younger longer. Let's give parents some tools mm-hmm. to stand up for what they believe to be right in their home to say, we don't think this is, even if everybody else lets you, mm-hmm. we still love you enough to say, we believe this right. is going to be bad for you. Well, and not well, have to give in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, it goes, I mean, that's where I, I title my, some of my talks, active parenting. I mean, back in the 80s and 90s, and your, your dad's, you know, when he was doing his stuff, mm-hmm. that was just parenting. <laughs> right. But now, because the culture is so big on, you know, free expression and let your kids experience this. And, you know, I mean, a whole nother conversation. And we're not going to name the gender of our kid because we don't want to impress. I mean, all that crap <laughs> you know yeah. all that stuff you know it's taking the power of parenting away and so they're so they want to do it right they want to be their kids friends they don't want to be hated they're afraid especially in our culture in el paso county man if i set some boundaries my kid might kill themselves is the thought that i get you know parents yes. tell me a lot because there's such a fear-based almost oppressive nature for sure for that yeah. and it's like no your kid if your kid is seen soothed safe they're going to have a security about that. And that's even with boundaries and consequences and discipline and all those kind of things that people are afraid of doing anymore. So that, I mean, that's another point of, you know, the emotional intelligence piece is if we're not helping our kids fail, helping our kids, I think the best thing you can do for your kid too is be bored. Let them be bored. <laughs> like, yes. you know, uh, screen time is that filler for a lot of people while I'm bored. Well, here, watch this or do this and play, get lost on YouTube and all that kind of stuff. And we're about to have some angry, angry kids. tweens. <laughs> But it's, you know, think about when we were bored as kids. I'd go out and build a fort down the river exactly. by my house. I'd mm-hmm. pull Legos out and create this fortress of whatever. And, sure. You know, I'd go and play whatever in the backyard, like even at 13 stand. years yeah. old, you know, having exactly. that kind of stuff. And, and in a way, it's a boundary issue for a parent because what we've done is we've given kids screens for so long that when they get off of them, they need something to entertain and them. And then someone right. to entertain them. Yep. Well, I don't want to be by myself and bored, so now it's... You pulled me off the screen, entertain me. Yeah, do something I want to hang out with you. <laughs> right. Do something with me. Go on a yep. walk with me. Talk with me. Yep. Help me do all that. You just said, seen, soothe, safe. Yep. That's kind of the basis of, it's based off of Dr. Daniel Siegel's work in uh, his book, Brainstorm. Uh, and I absolutely love him. Uh, we use a lot of his stuff in our talks and we use a lot of stuff in our practice. But that's basically just John Bowlby and Mary Ainsworth's basis for attachment theory, right? Uh, you know, if somebody's seen and seen behind what's right in front of them mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. you know your kids maybe not crying but they look sad and you know you ask them how they're doing i'm fine and you know they're not so mm-hmm. being seen is kind of what's behind the veil sure is there a safety in not only where i'm at but in my caregiver right and do i know that if i go to my caregiver i'm going to walk away feeling better that's the foundation for mm. security and see that's a much more detailed detail. professional way of what i found in the airport we were on a trip for over a weekend and this light bulb hit me. Young kids cry. Some cry for their parents, some just cry. Right. And I started watching 
And the kids that cry for their parents have parents who are attentive to them. Mm-hmm. The kids that just cry have parents that are scrolling through Instagram right. on their phone while the kids cry next to them. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it made me so sad. I didn't want it to be true. I mm-hmm. wanted it just to be like a random thing. Right. Everywhere we went all weekend, you'd see kids going, mommy, and a mom looking down at her child, putting whatever she had down, asking what was going on, looking them in the eye. Right. Getting on and then you had kids just crying. Right. And you'd look over at them and they got a parent that's not paying attention or right. angry. Yep. You know, yeah. Yeah. why are you crying? You know, that kind mm-hmm. of a situation. And I just, I just thought, oh, you can't say anything. You can't butt in and be like, hey, you're being a bad parent. Like, right. that's not appropriate. <laughs> and it just broke my heart for kids. Absolutely. They want to be seen. Mm-hmm. They want to feel safe. And the way to feel that is when I am in pain or when I am hurt, that you're going to help me feel better. Yep. Or at least understand, take care, you know. Right. Mm. Yep. So... There's a million parents that are going to listen. Well, hopefully a million. There'll be, <laughs> <laughs> there'll be a few thousands that listen. Nice. Uh, let's be honest about it. For those listening that are like, oh my goodness, I'm so caught up in the screen. You know, it's so easy when we're on a car trip or when we're at a restaurant sure. and we want to talk and the kids are sitting there. How do we wean them off of that process, build our own boundaries so that we're not the entertainment system mm-hmm. and lessen screen time to let our kids be bored right. while still feeling safe and soothed and seen? Right. Well, I think that's a great question. And I think a big part of it is not being afraid to maintain boundaries. Mm -hmm. I think that's another part of one of my lists of why kids are killing themselves is they don't, you know, a kid that doesn't have boundaries is freaking scared. Yes. Yes. Right. I mean, think about taking a, I'm a big horse guy. So, you know, think about taking a baby horse from its mom and putting it in an open field. What does that horse do? It goes to the corner Mm -hmm. because it can't handle the open field. And so I always talk about boundaries is age appropriate. Mm you know, round pens from a horse standpoint, right. That get bigger and bigger and bigger as the kid gets older and older and older. And so if, and another analogy I use that really gets parents upset, but it makes the point is that giving a kid a phone without boundaries is giving a kid a nine millimeter handgun without boundaries, Yep. without teaching him. Right. Same kind of thing. Totally. But how do we wean that? Well, have those boundaries. Is there a culture in your household that everybody abides by mom, dad included, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that is whether it be, you know, uh, screens off time. Yeah. Even just media off media time. Media free. Yep. Media yep. free. You know, so, you know, is it a time? Okay. I know, you know, if you're going to public school right now, you need your own device, which I've been fighting the school system in Colorado Springs on. I bet. You know, bring your own device is the dumbest thing you could ever do, but they're still doing it because of convenience. But if we can get mm. a rhythm in our household, so, okay, everybody knows that you get home at three o'clock, no screens until six, seven after dinner, right. then you get a half hour, you know, whether that be video games, <laughs> whether that be TV, whether that be iPad, iPhone, whatever. Yeah. You can yeah. choose, but you can choose, yeah. but you get an hour and then uh, we get ready for bed. And so that's, you know, another part is the sleep issue with our kids, but then it's then choose a day a week when you don't have any media whatsoever. Mm. And I know that feels really extreme. So maybe start off with a half a day or, yeah. you know, into that, but I mean, and for do those, it as a whole family. Do it as a whole family. For those of us that live in Colorado, good grief. It's just starting to get nice. <laughs> you know, go outside. I just bought a kayak. Go kayaking. Oh, oh, <laughs> you know. Where'd you get it? I got it at uh, Walmart, actually. Oh, I've been looking at the one at Costco every day. For $227 or whatever. Wow. We live in Monuments. We've got a big old lake that we have yes, access to. But, you know, those kind of things. Go do stuff yeah. together outside. Have, you know, have somebody in the family pick something every week that's different. But then when you do media, you do it all together in the same room, 
you know, don't go fragment. So the teenage girls upstairs talking to somebody that she shouldn't or, you know, whatever, but do it in the same room where you have that transparency. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then at night, put it away. Yeah. And I've got parents that even to the extreme where their kid, like, you know, they're wanting to implement this. It's a little bit behind the eight ball. So they're, I said, guys, go get a lockbox at, at, you know, Walmart. Right. And put it in your bed and lock it. Because the kids are going to want it at nighttime. The whole blue lighting phenomenon, I'm not sure if you've heard of that, where it's they're up all night texting or social media surfing and they're not sleeping. And now, you, you know. You find kids that are sleeping with the phone on their bed on vibrates. Oh yeah. They so wake they, them up immediately right. and they can text back immediately. Yep. And here's the interesting thing about yeah. that as well. Their friends expect a response immediately. Immediately. And if they don't, well, something must be wrong. And it's over and over and over right. and over text kind of thing. Yep. And I think we need to address that with our kids. You know, mm-hmm. my son FaceTimes with his friends while they play video games. And it was past his bedtime one night and the FaceTime went off and he's like, well, it's my friend. And I was like, I don't care. Right. And I saw the look on his face and it was like, oh. It's like dread. <laughs> and I said, pick it up, tell me you can't play it on tomorrow. And immediate relief. Yeah. And so I think in a way what you're doing is you're weaning kids over time off of that so that their friends now, you know, it's kind of like Tim Ferriss talks about time management Mm -hmm. and he says, you know, don't look at your email first thing in the morning or right before you leave work, pick a time and you train people to know you don't need to call me over and over again. You don't need to email me 50 times. I'm going to check it from this time to this time. I will get back to you. I am seeing you, but you're training people. Right. I had a boss that love to email you over weekends and expected a response absolutely yeah. yep. and i had to train that person to be like i'm not going to answer any emails over the i'm not getting paid right you want to double my salary hey by all means email <laughs> whatever you it. want yeah right but yeah. i'm not being paid on a weekend yeah therefore i'm not going to be answering it and right. it's like well everybody else does well they shouldn't right and I'm they not have a, bad boundaries I'm not everybody else right yeah and so in a way you've got to teach your kids to train their friends right you won't be getting the response like you do from other people right mm-hmm. and really that sleep is our Dr. Arch Hart, it, the book is up here somewhere. I could find it. It's called Sleep It Does a Family Good. He's been mm-hmm. doing this for, and this is a decade old book maybe, mm-hmm. yeah. talking about the need for sleep and this whole idea that, you know, some people only need four or five hours a night. It doesn't exist. No, that's that's a fallacy. Yeah. yeah. People need yeah. eight plus hours a night. Mm-hmm. Some need 10, right. some need eight. And there's been scientific studies that have proven that. Right. I don't need to cite them all, but I know them. So. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so, but add that to the list, right, of why kids are taking their lives. It's if they're not getting sleep, now any of the emotional intelligence that they did have or trying to get out the window, coupled with the screen time, coupled with the mm-hmm. permissive, you know, the parents that aren't paying attention, coupled with whatever, now they're impulsive. And now failure, loss, and disappointment are life ending circumstances. circumstances. Literally, life ending circumstances. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I've, yeah. yeah. I mean, I could go into stories upon stories, mm-hmm. but I, I can't do that because of client confidentiality. But sure. it's, I mean, mm-hmm. I never saw it coming. Well, it was just a failure and he took his life. Why? You know, and so we're working through all that kind of stuff. It is mind boggling. You know, I think we could revolutionize how our culture interacts with each other mm-hmm. if we just put some boundaries around this kind of stuff. Sure. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more Rebel Parenting. Hey, Rebels, this portion of the podcast is brought to you by our friends at Save the Storks. Save the Storks helps moms with an unplanned pregnancy. And that's my story. I was an unplanned pregnancy. My birth mom was 16 and faced an uphill battle. And a pregnancy resource center in her area helped her 
carry me all the way to fruition, and then helped adopt me into my family. And Save the Storks helps pregnancy resource centers across the country with stork buses providing mobile ultrasound machines where four out of five moms choose life after seeing their baby on an ultrasound and hearing the heartbeat. Over 6,000 babies have been saved on stork buses. Please support Save the Storks with your prayers and visit SaveTheStorks.com to become a monthly sponsor. Join the movement and help us revolutionize the meaning of pro-life. For more information, visit SaveTheStorks.com. Welcome back to Rebel Parenting. Did you miss us? You mentioned teaching your kids to fail and mm-hmm. then get back up again. I've heard that a lot. Mm-hmm. Practically, how do we go about doing that? Is it a grades thing? Is it a like, you know, failing in the home? I'll take it from this point of view. Maybe this will spring something. I was talking to parents. We'll be talking to them at a homeschool convention this weekend. We we're talking about sex and intimacy. Nice. And I was saying, you need to have board game night in your family. Oh, yeah. And I remember this dad was like, what? Like, you think board games are going to fix this? And I said, here's why. It's similar to me where I was recommending couples go to acro yoga together. Acro yoga is like yoga, but it's with a partner and in funny positions. I would not be able to do that. No, <laughs> me neither. I fall in love with myself. But I, what's, I noticed some couples that were doing that, and this is what it is with board games and that. You're in a, a public setting. Right. With its board games, it's a whole family. Right. You got little kids, big kids, mm-hmm. parents. Acro yoga, you're in a public setting in the class. With acro yoga, you're touching your spouse, but not in a sexual way. Right. And it's awkward. Yep. You're falling. You're in funny positions. Mm-hmm. And with board games, I had to a caveat with that. You also have to behave yourself. Sure. You know, I love to win. When I play board games, I have to let my kids win or I have to lose and then act appropriately. But it creates vulnerability. Right. The acro yoga is creating vulnerability. The board mm-hmm. games create vulnerability in you're learning how to lose. Right. You're learning how to fail. You're learning, you know, those t- and not getting mad and throwing the board. Right. And Absolutely. And for me growing up, I mean, I was a terrible sport. I couldn't play group sports after a while because I just, what do you mean you don't cry when you lose? Like, Mm -hmm. then you don't want to win bad enough. How dare you? You're a bad person for not wanting to win bad. And I was a terrible sport. Right. I was a terrible, it took years for me to be able to play sports with people and not be an ugly person. Mm. And that was a lot of emotional intelligence for me. What are other ways parents can let their kids or teach them to fail, mm-hmm. not setting them up for failure? No, but no, I think letting it naturally happen. What are those things that naturally can happen? You know, I mean, if they, you know, hey, are you studying for your test? Let me help you. No, I'll do it tomorrow. Okay. You know, especially if they're 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 years old. Great. Hey, t- next day, can I help you study for your test? No, I got it. Fine. And then they fail the test. Well, hey, I... I asked you if it could help, you know, what can we do better next time, right? As one thing. Mm. But uh, let's say they didn't make varsity. Instead of going and chewing out the coach and, you know, why the heck isn't my kid making this and whatever? You know, it's got to be hard. You must be frustrated, you know, speaking in the words of emotional intelligence to Mm. them. Mm. But I think the biggest way that we can help our kids learn to fail is being vulnerable when we fail. And so so I think it's like I grew up in a, a household, you know, my my dad grew up in an Italian family, so tone and hands and all that kind of stuff. And, and I use tone sometimes when I get upset, but it really melts my kids. I mean, they yep. just fall apart. Instead of going, well, you should just buck up and be fine, it's getting on their level going, yep, daddy messed up. Mm-hmm. You know, not down at them. You know, I'm almost 6'3", so it's getting down on their level right. and just right. looking in the eyes and saying, I messed up, and here's how I messed up, and I need your forgiveness, I think is the biggest way 
to walk our kids through what it looks like to fail and fail well. Yeah, mm. you know? yeah. It's interesting. That does twofold things. One, that'll give them emotional intelligence. The second thing is, it's one of the best ways to pass on your belief systems to the next generation. Absolutely. Is to tell them, I fail all the time. Right. Yeah, yeah. This happens all the time. Yeah. You don't see it all, but... I, you right. Know. Yeah. right. And then when you do in front of them, if I yell at Laura... I've got to apologize to my kids. Right, absolutely. Hey, I should not have done that. Yep. There's no excuse. It's not, I was really hungry, and when I get hungry, I get hangry. And, you know, blaming this and blaming that. Right. Yep. Yep, absolutely. It's just saying, I mm-hmm. messed up. I'm sorry. Yep. Because it lets them know, you will too. Yep. And I also think, again, to give the past generations a break, past generations didn't do that. Right. Parents ne- felt they needed to be infallible. What well, was the voice of the era? And that's yeah. okay. Right. It was. Again, yeah. it was the voice of the era. So when you've got, you know, 30-year-old adults with kids, they're like, my parents never failed in front of me. No. Yes, they didn't. Neither did any other parent. Right. Yeah. Right? I was just talking about, I caught my daughter watching Netflix at 1130 at night. <laughs> Puppy on lap. Yep. And I was like, what are you doing? She goes, what? I'm sorry? Like, and I can't quite tell. I think she probably knew it was earlier than she should have been up. She certainly right. didn't know it was 11. Right. I think she thought it might have been five. Who knows? Right. I've talked to so many people. 80s, 90s kids, big trouble. Oh, yeah. You're big trouble. Busted. I didn't do anything because I don't really care. No, I had it's a pattern. La- I'd have laughed and it said, <laughs> go back to bed. I did. I just put her, I, in fact, I went up and put her down. I sat in her bed until she fell asleep. And right. It was seconds later. She was asleep. I don't really care that much. Mm-mm. It's not a pattern. It's not ongoing. Nope. It was one time. It wasn't disrespectful or disobedient. No, it was just, yeah. she wasn't like, I'm going to do what I want. You can't tell me not to watch. It, none of that. It was right. just, she was, well, who cares? Yeah. But I would have. At her age, I probably would have gotten spanked. And yep. I'm, my parents aren't bad people. They're great well, parents. Mine aren't either. Yep, TV would you. have been taken away for a long, long time. It would have been brought up multiple times afterwards. I would remember it today. Right. And with her, it was like, what? I don't even think she remembers she did it. Right. Right. Who yeah. cares? Yeah. It's a different season, and that's okay. I would say, too, I think, like you said, belittle or demean our past generations. Yeah. But I feel like in some ways, the way that we're trying to be with the emotions and the mental health and that kind of stuff is we're becoming... I think more holistically in the image of God. Mm. You know, I think I just feel like, you know, if, if we believe in the Imago Dei and we believe in the Trinity and all that kind of stuff, we're really, for my generation growing up in a Baptist church, it was very much, you know, God the Father, you know, God the Holy Spirit and, you know, and Jesus were not a part of, you know, the conversation as much. But I think we have much more of a holistic, I think we're living out the representation of who God is better in this generation, even though we have our flaws and we're making mistakes and that kind of stuff. Of course, of course. God is an emotional God. Yep. And I think that the expressing our emotions in a way, and there's, I always tell people there's no bad emotions. They're just emotions and they're hard Mm -hmm. ones and they're Mm -hmm. easy ones. But how do we express ourselves in ways that, you know, are appropriate in the times that come up? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. My dad wrote a book. Oh, I'm going right to you called emotions. Can you trust them? Mm -hmm. And I laugh at it because I talk about it now. I'm like, short answer. No, no, like (laughs) it could have been a one page book emotions. Can you trust them? No, no. (laughs) Right. And we all get them. Right. And And so understanding them them Mm -hmm. when they come up, all those things. Yes. Well, I just wanted to jump back to the screen thing. Mm -hmm. Are you seeing there's certain things for age appropriate? Like you should let your kids play. Like I want to bring up Fortnite because that's just the game of the era. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what are you seeing with kids getting into certain games or certain shows or things of that nature, like Disney or I don't want to throw yeah. anyone under the bus. No, I, no, I, I think it's, I, it's even... okay. I think it's important that it's based on the culture of your family. Okay. But I think too, we, you know, when we go out and, and interview kids, there is a point where they they wish somebody would set a boundary for them, but because of the dopamine hit from social media, because of the dopamine hits, you know, physiologically from Fortnite and from, you know, video games and TV and that kind of stuff, they want to stop, but they don't. 
or they can't. And so as a parent, it, you know, I feel like it's our role to really go, okay. You know, and this is where I think with, you know, I work with parents going, okay, at a five or six year old, you tell your kid what the boundary is. Yes. But at 12 or 13, you have a conversation. Hey, you know, mom and dad really think it's Thank important. You. It's important to do a, we think it's important that you only spend two hours a day on screens. Yeah. Right. And the kid goes, okay, but here's the reason I think we should do an hour and a half or two and a half hours or three. Yeah. And they have a voice in or that. Ten. Or, or, or 10. Or 10. Yeah. <laughs> they might say 10, but then you go, okay, let's figure this out. Yeah. You know, two is too little. 10 is too much. What's a compromise yeah. mm-hmm. empowers them for responsibility. It empowers them for emotional, you know, all the things we're talking about. Yeah. But I have a lot of parents will know it's my way or the highway. And then they have kids sneaking out and sneaking doing out this. Yeah. You know, you've said an interesting mm. thing a few times and I want to bring it up to our listeners. You've talked about family culture mm-hmm. and maturity of the child. And right. so, this is one thing I will say. My son plays Fortnite, and he's actually really, really good at it. And it's a fun game. I love watching it. I don't like playing it because I just don't like video he games. It kills but, me every time. But over. just to watch I'm it, horrible it's horrible at playing it. Yeah. Oh, I'm so bad. Here's the truth: you've got to decide for each individual child and for your family by yourself. Yep. That's harder to do. It takes more emotional intelligence on your part. It takes longer. It takes more conversations. It takes more thought. It's also the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. A plus B equals C is very, very easy. It just doesn't work. Right. Treating every single kid as if they're identical and the same doesn't work. It's easy. It doesn't work. And if an older child is really immature and the younger one gets to do things they don't get to do, ooh, stinks to be you. <laughs> it's also the right thing to do is to in doing that. Right. Um, mm. Figuring out. Can your child at 12 play Fortnite and not become addicted and not change their behavior and not act like a brat or whatever those things are? That's about maturity of the child. The one thing I will tell you, I looked into this, there is an addictive nature to social media. And the closest thing they have it to is gambling. Gambling is called a variable reward system. Mm -hmm. Drugs are a consistent reward system. If you want to get high, you take a drug. If you gain a tolerance, you take more of the drug. Or a different one. Or a different one. <laughs> right. You can get high. Yeah. With gambling, it's called a variable reward. Will I win? Will I not win? I don't know. Right. And that's the same with social media. Will I get likes for this photo? Will I not get likes mm-hmm. for the photo? Will I get the right comment? Will I not get the right, right comment? I don't know. And so the other part of that that's difficult is gambling is the hardest addiction to kick because of the variable reward system. Yep. Because it's not a constant and a consistent thing. Yeah. And social media is as well. Lincoln used to be on the Lego app. Oh, yeah. You build yeah. creations, you post it, people like it or don't like it. Well, he started creating for the app. That it okay. Mm-hmm. Who cares what people think of your creation? Right. Right. Do you like playing with Legos? Yes. yes. That's all that matters. Right. It doesn't matter if what you like doing with Legos matters to anybody else. It right. only matters if you like playing with Legos. Right. And so, and he was also, I think 10 at the time. And it was like, yeah, we're no, we're done. We're yeah. done with that one. But it goes back. I think I, I'm glad you said that because that's the whole idea of active parenting is parents really spending time taking all the information in assessing their own family based off the information and making a decision for themselves. And I think, yeah, the A plus B, people come into my office all the time. I want A plus B. Yes. And you're like, oh, uh, people are craving it. I'm sorry. I mean, we can give you kind of a framework and a structure and we'll help guide you and we'll challenge you and all that kind of stuff. But no, if I had a formula, I'd be living on an island in the middle of yep. Pacific with yep. my millions. Yes, exactly. You know, that just doesn't happen. Well, and I do think that 80s, 90s parents, there were a lot of formulaic books that promised things oh, sure. for a long time. Yep. First time obedience practitioners, things like that, promised certain things that looked like they were working for a season. Mm -hmm. And over time, we look back and think, 
Wow, that was a huge, help, huge yeah. mistake. But it's and also, so we want that, right? Even though it doesn't work. It's like send me a king. Exactly. Give me a king. Give yeah. me a king. Yeah. And I think too, it's, and that's where it's the removing the stigma around mental health. It's okay to get a third person, third party. Yes. Hey, 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 hey. Amen. Okay. <laughs> We're yes. Jump into that one. I really do believe the stigma is being less. I mean, we talk about therapy all the time. I go right. to a counselor on a regular basis. Laura goes on. Right. We go together on a regular right. basis. I call it preventative maintenance. Right, exactly. If you believe in getting oil changes in your car, you believe yep. in counseling. Amen you just don't know it that. yet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You haven't been enlightened yet. Having a third party is so important. I do think, though, there is still more of a stigma with going to counseling with your kids. Mm, Adults about- going to counseling feels fine. Right. Going with your kids says, I'm a failure. Yes. And I don't want to be a failure. Yeah. We have been to counseling with our children. Apparently because I was a terrible parent when they were young. And really hurt them hmm. deeply when they were young. And I needed to get a third party to help us work through some of those right. situations. Talk about therapy in general, but going to family therapy. Mm-hmm. I tend now, and we kind of operate as best we can at our practice, that if you bring your kid in for therapy, you better be coming in every two weeks yourself. Uh, and we're going to do a family session. And if we don't choose to do that, then we may have to talk about whether or not we're going to see you. Because it's that system piece, right? If it, what do you mean? If parents are bringing their kids in to quote unquote get fixed, fixed, right? I got oh. a bad kid. Will you fix them? Mm-hmm. And you're saying if you're bringing your kid in, you need to be coming in as a family. At least every two to three weeks for mm-hmm. a family session. Mm-hmm. And most people buy in. I mean, it's not yeah. like there's those bad, horrible parents that you know push back and like that. But mm. I just think we don't know what we don't know until we are told. And yeah. I think you know, as the shame piece, I'm not trying to rag on the church. I'm in this to really help the church. But I think the church is a really can do a really terrible job on the shame piece. And that's, I think where the stigma comes and is maintained. I think it's really found, you know, it's, we work really hard to, to help with the church breaking the stigma. I think in the culture, it's a little bit farther along than I think maybe it is in the church, but it's that shame based piece that if I have to go ask for help, then some, I messed up. Yeah. And I'm like, no, you just didn't know it. You didn't weren't equipped with it as a kid, or you weren't you weren't provided that. And you're so, so nice. I'm like, yes, we're all messed up. Yeah, we're, yes, we're, we're all, we're all, we all don't up. know things. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so having that third party going, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Mm. Have you considered that? Here's a tool that maybe you didn't know. Like I didn't go to school for 13 years past whatever to not have these giftings and these tools sure. to help people. And that's where most counselors are. Mm. Most therapists are to really go. How do I help spur on a healthier generation? Yeah. I am thankful for all our therapy that we've had and thankful for all the therapists we've had. Um, Here's the truth. We wouldn't be where we are today without it. I've said it so many times. I wouldn't be alive today if I, you know, I mean, that's the same thing. I I believe that to be true. All the things that we've gone through and we promote it so heavily. Here's what we promote. We promote Christian counseling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Having someone that that has your core system of beliefs that's going to point you in the right direction and we're not a Christian counseling center, but we believe everybody's faith-based. Right. And we believe that people meet the Holy Spirit, whether they realize it or not. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's how we operate. But uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, you have to find somebody that meets your core core needs, core values, core beliefs. Yeah. And have you found that when you're talking to parents, that would you say if someone found like a bad therapist or how would someone find a good therapist? Do you have any ideas on that? <laughs> so, I mean, I, in their area. if you're okay, me talking about our podcast for a second. Sure. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Candid Conversations with Dr. Mayfield, uh, we have the first five or six episodes talk about how to find a good therapist, what questions to ask. So we actually take time walking people through it. So um, in our resource pack that we send out, 
let's include those podcasts because it's something we talk about so often and people want to know, excuse me, people watching, <laughs> I'm looking at our producer over here. That's a fantastic resource how to find a good counselor. Do you do online counseling? Do you Skype counseling with people that are we not in the local area? Don't right now. It's mm -hmm. a tough area. So there's not reciprocity with licenses across state lines. Oh. Uh, and we're fighting for that right now in our state Senate and our national area. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I have to, if I wanted to see somebody in Texas, I have to be licensed in Texas. Okay. And so we're partnering with an organization. We're going to begin partnering with an organization called Our Tribe out of California. They're uh, piloting some things here where it's going to allow for community chat, video conferencing, but it'll be for like Colorado. Yeah. Right. So, well, you know, somebody that can't find a good counselor in, you know, or Lamar or yeah, someplace Lamar. that doesn't have, they can Skype into us and see us and that kind of stuff. So we're working on that. Okay. But it's, you know, the reciprocity. So we also, you know, talk about on our podcast too, that if they wanted to even email us, you know, we could give them, you know, here's how you look for somebody in your area. And here's how, you know, psychology today is a great way because you could actually you know, choose Christian counseling. You can choose, you know, what modality you can choose distance and that kind of stuff. And it's so psychology today is a great resource as well. But that link too. yeah, I mean, I cannot tell you how many people come into our office going, I probably should have come about four years ago, but I had a bad experience. Yep. Yes. And it took yes. me a while to get in here. I'm like, huh? and we're just like, we are so We've sorry. never had that experience. Never. Well, that's part of the reason we started Mayfield Counseling Centers is my wife is a cancer survivor from when she was a child oh, wow. and wanted to work through some of her stuff. Yes. Yeah. She called eight people four and a half years ago and never got a call back. And I just had another similar situation with a, somebody, a friend of Whoa. mine on Facebook. And I'm like, so we started Mayfield Counseling. We'll call you back same day. We'll schedule you the same week. And if we can't, you know we'll hire to that need. And so that's why we've grown as fast as we can mm -hmm. is because right, of, of you're... we have a guy that we solely answers our phones and our emails. Wow. And so you'll get somebody either answering the phone when you call in or we'll call you back within 20 minutes to two hours. Well, yeah. So one person we sent to your office, it was that day they had an appointment with a counselor mm -hmm. set up ready yep. to go. And that is rare that you find that. Mm -hmm. I mean, so good it's on that, you for doing that. It's not that the people are, are bad counselors. Some of the greatest counselors have, for sure. I mean, six month waiting list and that's great. Yeah. You know, and I think our piece was, but those people that I know will call you back and tell you, mm -hmm. yeah, hey, mm -hmm. you could be on my waiting list or I can give you these three referrals to somebody that I trust type of thing. Yeah. But call, yeah, call back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and then the other thing we have talked about a little bit is like, if you're having troubles in the bedroom, then go and talk to someone who specializes in that. Right. Like find what your mm -hmm. specific need is. Yes. If you're having trouble with your teenager, then make sure that your counselor mm -hmm. can... Yeah deal with those if you've got addiction struggles find an addiction counselor if yeah. you've got sex therapist you right, know right et cetera, absolutely et yeah and i will say we have found that if you've got troubles in the bedroom most often it's a communication problem yeah right. it's not, not really the other stuff. well yeah. it's <laughs> i think the two biggest be ones both, are but... past trauma current communication yes. yes the better you can communicate past trauma or mm -hmm. current communication the better you're in the bedroom so I will say, too, with parents that are talking about teens and suicide and that kind of stuff, I'll have a free resource that will be coming out through Focus on the Family. Probably in August, it'll be a download on just suicide and self-injury. Yeah. Free download. We want it to be something that people can just download and use if they're in crisis. Definitely. Um, Perfect. And that's the thing, too. I do believe, I don't know, I think the stigma has lessened where when a child says, I'm feeling this way, mm -hmm. people are like, oh, that we need to get help right now. Right. It's not one of those, oh, that's just a cry for help. Right. Yeah, and you have to get it. To, you have to be serious about that cry for help. You've wow. got to say, yeah. "Hey, this is a real serious thing. We're going to find someone right this minute." Well, it's ten years yeah. between onset of symptomology and first help. Is oh, the really? average is the average. Because I was just going to ask you, like, are these people that 
happens to the lacrosse captain right. or the cheerleading captain and mm-hmm. you know next thing you know they've taken committed suicide yeah. and taken their life are there seen symptoms prior if and i'm not trying to demean parents but if parents knew what to look for or knew how to pay attention some of the things we talked about today yes. i think you probably would have picked up on it sooner mm-hmm. you know and that's the go through a little short like just a little list of things that parents can not to make them hypersensitive or right. vigilant and yet they don't want to look back and be like, oh my goodness, I didn't I I, see, you know. Well, I think the biggest thing is how often do we look into our kids' eyes and pay attention, right? We know when mm-hmm. something's wrong with our kid when we look into their eyes. But the average American spends about 30 seconds a day looking into somebody's eyes. That's it? That's it. 30 seconds, that's 30 horrible. seconds. And so I think that's a big one is pay attention, you know, get to know your kid on that level. But, and that's when you start noticing things. So I don't really have a list because, I, one, I don't like you said, I don't want to create mm. some scaring, but everybody's going to look different. But if your kid is, you look into their eyes and they're, something's gone, right? Mm. A spark is gone, right? Maybe they're not eating now as much as they used to, or they're sleeping too much or too little, uh, things that they found value and they don't find value in anymore, mm. or those kind of things. But it's, again, going back to the culture of our family, Yep, it's going to be unique to, and that's where I think people want the ABC. AB, yes, you know, yes, 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 exactly. Okay, so... Thank you. I was looking for ABC. Here's what I will say, because Laura and I did a show on what do you do when your spouse is depressed, because mm-hmm. I struggle with depression. And this is what I told people. Laura knows I'm struggling when I'm off my patterns. Right. And she knows I have patterns because she pays attention to me, mm-hmm. which is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. If you're looking into your kid's eyes, if you're having conversations with them, yep. you will notice their patterns. Have their friends changed? Have their sleeping habits changed? Right. Are their eating habits changed? Are they having mood swings? You know, there's all these patterns that your kids will fall into mm-hmm. that will be unique for your child. Maybe they like to read a lot. Maybe they right. like to play certain games. Maybe they like to do what? Who knows what those patterns are? If those patterns suddenly become disrupted, then pay attention. Pay attention. Mm. Hey, I've noticed. Da 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 da. You're not hanging out with so and so very often anymore. What's mm. going on with that? I've noticed. You know, I see you up later at night. Whatever those things well, do are. They, do they come home high once? Mm-hmm. And I have a parent tell me, "Well, every kid does it." I'm like, no, they don't. <laughs> not every kid does. You know, so pay attention to those things too, right? right? I mean, right. Every kid does it. Yes, and every kid that does it, there's a problem. There's going a problem. Something to pay attention to. Yes, yes, Pay attention. Awesome. That's a fantastic one. Figure out your kids' patterns mm. so that you know them. And it's not a scare conversation. It's just a... Nope. And it also lets your kid you know that you know them. Right. Hey, I've noticed you're not hanging out with that person anymore. Why? Well, you know, they just kind of weren't a great influence in my life. And I thought, you know, or they're negative all the time. Or, oh, wow, I'm really proud of you. That's really interesting. <laughs> you're back in How the back, neat. jumping up and down for joy for exactly. 30 years. Exactly. exactly, right. You go in the other room, you're Tiger Woods and going, yes, you know, <laughs> you're right. pulling that. And at the same time, it's letting your kid know, oh, wow, my parent pays attention to me. Mm-hmm. That's interesting because they will know a lot of kids whose parents don't yep. pay attention to them. Yep, yep. Mm. I mean, Laura and I went to the skate park. This is a long, this is a few years back. And there were a bunch of kids there in the middle of the day without parents. And I was like, which, what? Which I was kind of curious about. I'm like, how do these kids get out of school and just go skate? Right. Yeah. I mean, we're adults we, and we were homeschooling Lincoln at the time and Lucy was a baby and we, we loved to skateboard and mm-hmm. BMX. So we go to the tracks right. and we go to the park. They would not leave us alone. They kept, Anywhere we went with our kids, they kept coming over and like doing tricks in front of us and like... They wanted approval. All these things. Yep. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, you got bad parents. Yeah. I'm not trying to be judgmental. It was just like, nope. oh no. Yep. Like I'm trying to move away from you to be around my kid and you just want an adult to be like, I mm-hmm. see you. Yep. That was neat. I mean, and these kids start opening up to Laura and like, oh, hey, I got hurt. Look, I have a, and a, I don't know you. You're some random kid that's that was. By the way, you're some random kid that was smoking weed in the car next to me when I arrived. Right. You've cursed in front of my kids eight times. Right. 
And now you're sharing. And now you're showing me your wound. You know, <laughs> as the dad, I'm like. That's funny. As the pastor, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I wish someone was there to hug you more than I'm going to be able to. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. We got to get back to the skate parks. (laughs) (laughs) There's a huge calling. Oh my God. You know what? We've almost been an hour. You know, I want to have you back. That's all. I'd love it. I definitely want to have you back. The name of your podcast again? Candid Conversations with Dr. Mayfield. Candid Conversations with Dr. Mayfield. Producer K is going to put a link up online. You can find uh, it on iTunes? iTunes, Spotify. Awesome. Very, very cool. And we will include that in our resource pack on how to find a good counselor. Man, I thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. Mm, Just exciting. Thank you for what you're doing in our community and for our state. That's just fantastic. Thanks for making me cut the screen time down to my family. It's really going to go well. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Rebels, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it. God bless. We will see you soon. Oh, Rebels and Powerful Parents, wasn't that amazing? My goodness, I can learn so much from this man. I can't wait to have him back on the program again. Whoo! Thank you so much to Dr. Mark Mayfield and the Mayfield Counseling Clinic right here in Colorado Springs. Also, thanks to the Voice of the Martyrs, helping those being persecuted for our gospel for more than 50 years around the world. They provide resources, staffing support, Bibles, whatever they can to help those who are in need for our gospel. Also, thank you to SaveTheStorks.com and our great sponsor this month, Care of, TakeCareOf.com slash Rebel Parenting. All your supplements, all your vitamin needs. They actually found exactly what my blood test said I needed with a tiny five-minute, maybe five-minute online quiz. Man, am I stoked. And here's the deal. I don't know if you're like me, but the personalized care they took in sending me my supplements and vitamins really pushed them over the top for me. They are so awesome. Everything's got my name on it, and it just feels special to have someone that's like, oh no, we made all of this just for you. That's at takecareof.com slash rebelparenting. God bless Rebels. We will see you soon. Rebel Parenting is produced by Rebel Media House, and when you need a little help with your marriage or parenting, and everyone does, you can find it at rebelparenting.org. Sign up for the Rebel Update by texting the word REBEL to 444-999. That's R-E-B-E-L, and the number is 444-999. We love it when you share Rebel Parenting with your friends and family, so thank you. God bless. Thanks for spending your time with us, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Rebel Parenting. Rebel Parenting.